Hi everyone, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo, I am the author of the film review website Quipster.net. That website's been in existence in one form or another since 1996, and you can read over 3,850 reviews at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Hunt for the Wilder People is the film I'm going to be reviewing today. It is getting a lot of critical acclaim, in fact. In fact, it has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes at the time of this recording. That's with 105 reviews counted. No rotten reviews at all. Will I give it a rotten review? Well, <laughs> that depends on whether you think I'm a contrarian or not. I hope that you know I am not. It's a comedy, primarily. It does have adventure elements. It's PG-13 rated for thematic elements that includes violent content and for some language, and it runs an hour and 41 minutes. The main players are Sam Neill and Julian Dennison, with supporting roles from Rima Tewiata, Rachel House, Oscar Keitley, Stan Walker, and Reese Darby. The director is Taika Waititi, and he also writes a screenplay which is based on the book Wild Pork and Watercress by Barry Crump. In this film, Julian Dennison, he's a young Maori actor in New Zealand. He plays Ricky Baker, who is a rebellious and obese 12-year-old thug-life wannabe uh, foster kid, basically, who ends up dumped by an exasperated social worker, who's played by Rachel House, to a childless couple, a kind-hearted woman named Bella, played by Rima Tewiata, and her very cynical, curmudgeonly husband named Heck, played by Sam Neill. This is a last-chance effort from the foster placement organization. You know, nobody else would take the young kid, and basically he's being dumped out onto a remote farm with this couple in rural New Zealand. Uh, so-called bad egg, at least the social worker thinks so. Ricky hates his new environment about as much as he's hated about every place he's ever been. He chooses to run away at just about every opportunity afforded to him and ends up coming back because he doesn't have a clue where he can go or how to survive out in the wilderness that surrounds the farm. However, there are circumstances that result in an injured heck and Ricky, who's adamant about never returning to foster child services, they're stuck out in the wilderness and they become misunderstood fugitives who are caught up in a high-publicity manhunt, hence the title Hunt for the Wilder People. Ricky's going to have to learn the knack of survival out in the bush of New Zealand. Heck is there to help him, but because he's not completely mobile, Ricky has to do for self as much as he can. There's a lot more to the story than that, and many of the pleasures don't really involve the main plot, so I'm just kind of throwing it out there because that is all really part of the review. Taika Waititi, the writer, the director, he even has a cameo appearance playing this kooky minister, and he is making a very loose adaptation of a book that was published back in 1986 by the late New Zealand author Barry Crump, who also gets a couple of nods of homage in this film. The book was not really this kind of out-and-out comedy the way that uh, Taika Waititi's story is. Waititi injected, to a large extent, his own comic sensibilities to the story. The literary origins still can be seen whenever there's a story transition because we have chapters to a lot of the main sequences, starting with chapter one, called The Real Bad Egg, all the way to the epilogue at the end of the movie. The movie is, despite its 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, I do think that it's kind of flawed in a certain fashion, but I do think it's also very likable as a comedic coming-of-age story. It's very cute. It has an undercurrent of sentimentality to it. 
It does come a little bit undone here and there when YTT attempts to get a little too cute or too sentimental with these characters from time to time. But the film does stay very light in its tone, even through some scenes that have bitter tragedy elements to them. And the resultant feeling of the movie is that it is a bittersweet experience and it elevates itself from the material becoming merely a fish-out-of-water formula tale. Most of the characters have their own defined quirks. They're very fun to follow. They're very different than many characters you may have seen in other films. Very Kiwi in this way, too. So if you like your films from New Zealand, especially the quirky independent comedies, you're going to have a lot to like here. I do think that the film is at its charming best when it is in this coming-of-age mode. It's very fun. It's very heartwarming to see the interactions between young Ricky and the older surrogates, Auntie Bella and Uncle Heck. They're all trying to find ways to cohabitate as a real family, even though they don't have a lot in common with each other from a personality standpoint. And that makes it very funny. It's not really sitcom. It's more quirky indie comedy, but it is pretty funny, in spots. It's not a wholly fresh plot as I've alluded to. We have seen cantankerous old man's heart being thawed by a spirited young person many times before. I think the most recent big budget film that this will remind many people of is Pixar's Up, which featured a similar cranky old man and a young chubby boy with a baseball cap, and he's completely misunderstood too. Uh, True Grit did this. You've had a lot of other movies over the years. I could probably rattle off at least a dozen of them. But I do think that the characters in Hunt for the Wilder People still feel very unique. The situations born out of their locales are also very fresh, and it allows Waititi's film a sheen of newness, even though it's adhering to a very familiar formula that we've seen in films many times. There are also some pretty fun roles for some idiosyncratic people that they meet along the way. We get a trio of game hunters who get very involved in the chase. There's a young girl, a Maori girl, and her father who get involved in trying to help Ricky. That leads to some funny scenes, too. And there's this zany turn from Reese Davies, who's done many zany turns in his years as this hermetic and completely off his rocker conspiracy theorist convinced that the world is out to get him. The character touches in this film are pretty wonderful. We get Ricky's love of coming up with haikus on the spot that leads to some of the more adorable moments of the film and very funny too. Ricky also has this adoration of Tupac as evidenced early on by his all eyes on me jacket and he ends up naming a dog that's given to him Tupac And there's this improvisational, very sweet birthday ditty that Auntie Bella sings to Ricky on his 13th birthday. Ricky ends up joining in on the refrain, which is very sweet. And Heck looks on at both of them as if he's lost at sea toward this open display of cheesy, very gooey affection that he's probably never experienced in his own life, living as a man of adventure in the bush. A little bit of trivia as to that scene, if you've seen this film. The song was made up on the spot after several takes in which Auntie Bella utilizes the more traditional Happy Birthday song, but because that song has copyright on it, they did not pay for the rights to use that song. So the filmmakers, as well as Sam Neill and some of the other people on staff, ended up just composing their own song that Auntie Bella sings, and it ends up being one of the best scenes in the film. And if you're a a film buff, there's also a lot here to like, too. There are nods to well-known New Zealand works of the 1970s from the likes of Kiwi filmmakers like Peter Weir, 
especially his use of zoom shots and the outdoors environs. Jeff Murphy, whose film Goodbye Pork Pie inspired the car chase sequences. And Roger Donaldson, who's Australian-born, but he's definitely known for being a Kiwi filmmaker. Elements of his film Sleeping Dogs are also woven in to the fabric here. And those people who don't really know that much about New Zealand filmmaking will also get some of the other film references, such as classic Hollywood action films. We get references to The Terminator and First Blood and The Fugitive to a lesser extent. And there's a catchphrase that's used a few times in this film that's made popular by Michael Bay's Bad Boys 2. I won't repeat the line here because this is a clean podcast, but if you've seen that, you'll probably know what phrase I'm talking about. And since we're out in the lush mountains of New Zealand for this film, of course, there is a reference to the most famous film series made there, Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings film. So a very film literate kind of movie. I don't know that it's going to hit for everybody, but if you're a film buff, this is one to check out. I do think that the film ends up faltering when it's not in that kind of family bonding mode. And there's a very overbearing subplot involving the manhunt for Ricky and his supposed abductor, Uncle Heck. There's a tenacious, increasingly militaristic social worker who does everything she can to get the boy back to her custody. It's played for laughs, but it's not as funny or as heartwarming or as thrilling as the rest of the film. It seems like they don't really mesh well together. This humor, in particular, can be overly silly at times. Sometimes the jokes are so broad and so cartoonish, it feels like it belongs in a cartoon instead of what this is, which is kind of a subtle independent comedy with melancholy beats. The action elements toward the end, including the car chases and the destruction, even though they are homage, they do feel like they belong in a spoof of 1980s films or the 1970s, more so than in this poignant story about two misunderstood and withdrawn characters who are finding ways to come together. So I think Waititi has sensibilities here, but I think he's trying to make two different kinds of movies, maybe three different kinds of movies at the same time. Despite my quibbles, this is a very likable cast that we have here. We have characters that we certainly can root for. There are many funny and quotable moments from the screenplay as well as some ad-libbed on the spot. You got very good work camera work, etc., out in the bushlands of northern New Zealand, and Hunt for the Wilder People ends up overcoming some of its more obvious overreaching for laughs through the understated and more playful beats within its story. Waititi is certainly a critical darling at the moment. Most of his films play at Sundance, and they are critically acclaimed. His upcoming projects involve being co-writer for Disney's upcoming animated feature Moana, and being director for the upcoming film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok. So there's reason for many critics and film fans to be cautiously optimistic that these projects will not be a joyless assembly line effort from Waititi. I know well enough to know that he's not going to get final cut on these films, not even close to it. So it remains to be seen how well they come about. But if some of what we've seen in his filmmaking so far gets translated into these projects, these should be at least better than some of the films that we've seen from Marvel or Disney in recent years. I do think that if he is successful as a Hollywood player, this will be seen as somewhat of a bittersweet experience for us as the viewers because we do wish Taika Waititi the accolades that he deserves being a new Hollywood player, but we also will miss the more incisive and small-scale Kiwi Delights of his New Zealand films like What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People.
I'm giving Hunt for the Wilder People three stars out of four, and that might seem like a low rating compared to what other critics are giving it. It's still a recommendation for me. I do think that it is a bit uneven in spots to the point where I can't quite rave really hard about it, but I do think that if you like independent films, if you like quirky comedies, certainly if you've liked the works of Taika Waititi, you'll be much more forgiving than I am about some of these moments of whimsy that tend to be a little bit too overbearing. But for me, I'm going to give it three stars out of four, which means on my scale that it is something I think should be recommended for those people who already know they like this kind of movie going in. If you're somebody who likes the art house comedies, give this one a shot. You'll probably come away enjoying it. In fact, the people in the screening that I saw it with all applauded at the end. You got 100% critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes. This is probably a can't miss for most people in the viewing audience. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you do, and this is your first time listening, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button. I deliver film reviews on a mostly daily basis, probably three to five reviews a week on average, and you can continue to get them all throughout the course of the year. If you want to support the show, if you've been listening a while and you want to help me out with the production of the show, because I do pay for all of the movies that I've seen as well as the hosting, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash quipster and becoming a patron of the show. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and let other people know what you think of the show. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening. Hope that you enjoy your time anytime you go to the movies.